Talking Cure, Conversations with Jet Wheeler, is presented by the Office of Arts and Cultural Programming and Peak Performances at Montclair State University. Welcome, Heidi Latsky, to The Talking Cure. I love that name. It's fantastic. For those who are unaware of Heidi Latsky, and shame on you if you are one of those people, Heidi Latsky is a determined, creative visionary, someone I've long admired, someone who has a mission and uh, an aesthetic principle and purpose. It's a rare combination, a rare combination. And she manifests that with work that uh, through her company uh, called Heidi Letsky Dance. And uh, Peak Performances and Montclair State University have worked uh, on different projects with Heidi. Um, and most recently, uh, she and her performers came to the Alexander Kasser Theater um, in the spring of 2021 and installed a splendid, resplendent <laughs> event called On Display. And I think I would like Heidi to tell me about On Display. What is On Display? So On Display is basically a live sculpture court. So the, it's people who are mostly still. Um, and the idea came to me because I was at a retreat with my one of my first pieces called GIMP, and I showed a video, and a lot of people didn't want to talk to me after that, but this one museum curator followed me out the door and asked me if he could speak to me about his response, and his response was that he found it really difficult to take in my dancers who had unusual or unexpected bodies. And he said, whereas I see the inherent beauty in a sculpture that has, you know, maybe doesn't have an arm or doesn't have a leg. And um, he said, I always saw that those artifacts as really beautiful. And I was struggling with your dancers. And, and, and he was real, really ashamed of himself. And I had never heard that before, right? Like I had just started working, including people with disabilities into my work. So I, nobody had ever said to me that they were ashamed of their response. Well, you just used a, a very, very beautiful term that I've never associated with performers with disabilities. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that term because I think it's so insightful. And mm -hmm. uh, certainly saying I'm working with unexpected bodies. It was the uh, word unexpected that mm -hmm. I thought was insightful. Because I personally have, uh, I don't have the connection or the, the commitment that you have to unexpected bodies or people with disabilities. I've never been very comfortable with using the word disabled. No, neither have I, but... You know, um, but you just described 
something that is quite universal. Right, and that's how I see it. Like on display, I mean, let, let me just go back for one second. And、um, so, this gentleman who approached me, it affected me deeply. Right, it, it, I had to really think about the shame of an audience, like what people go through when they watch dance, which they normally don't associate with these unexpected bodies. And so, I started dreaming about, well, what if we make I go to the Met and I have my dancers next to these sculptures. Never happened, but then in 2015, I was invited for the 25th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act to just do guerrilla art throughout the city, and that's when On Display started. It was really just my trying to to go into. Like everywhere, Times Square, High Line, the museums, but basically out in the public, so that people didn't have to buy a ticket to、mm-hmm. come and see us. But everybody was very still, so they could, they really had to look. They they were given the opportunity to stare, and also the performers had the opportunity to stare back or not. Right? That I gave them like the power seat. Um, and and I too never really liked disability as a term. I learned to understand it. I, I really understand it now. Why it's important to identify. It's a, it's just an identifier.、Um, but the reason why I like unexpected is because in the dance world, though the bodies that I'm really interested in are oftentimes very unexpected, you know, for audiences. I mean to sort of keep to that、uh, line of thinking. I remember, and I just you know when、um, size of dancer, that is weight,、mm-hmm. was an important subject,、yeah. you know, and that this choreographer was of a of a, a new size, literally a large and. Then you had the issue of lifting a large body, and who? I mean, the, so the whole sensibility of dance、mm-hmm. was evolving,、um, right. and now there isn't that much emphasis on size. But do you think that there's going to be a point in time, and maybe we're there now? Mm. Where、uh, unexpected bodies, such as the glorious people that you work with, will find their way just into the general vocabulary, visual vocabulary of performance. Yeah, I, I actually think it is happening now. I mean, you, you're seeing in in all different art forms more people with disabilities, more people of color, more people.、Um, Older people, right? I mean, the so yes, yeah. It's a big question. How far will it go? It's it's hard. It's hard to know. You know, like there's.、Um, I'm part of an affinity group where we're looking at academia and how do we get people with disabilities into dance programs.、Mm-hmm. Well, that's tricky, right? Because a lot of these dance programs. Maybe offering classes that wouldn't work for people with those unexpected bodies. I mean, you have to have certain kinds. I mean, training is a big issue.、Um, it's really important to get training, 
but how do you train people? You know, I, I, I can just go from my, my experience. I started dancing when I was 20. At the age of 20, you have no idea how to dance. I mean, you just don't know how your body's supposed to work. And I just flung myself around and I was really like, I'm hyperextended. And so I was just, went to ballet class and modern class and I just kept getting injured and really injured, badly injured because I didn't know what I was doing. I, I needed different training. And so what I learned the hard way is I had to keep retraining. So I started doing Pilates or started going to yoga, things that for my body were better for me than going to a Lamone class, for instance, which I loved, but I didn't know how to do it. I, I, I couldn't sustain a class without hurting myself. So that's a very big question now, you know, mm -hmm. how do we train those people who are maybe just coming into the field now and are and are being encouraged. Well, you're, as, you're, you're posing a very interesting predicament, actually, in my view, is, is that suppose there's an individual that is, has an expected body mm -hmm. who wants to learn how to move as an unexpected body. Is that possible? Well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm looking for a world in which it is possible not because they're trying to imitate, but because we basically said all movement is movement. But don't you think as an art form, though, I mean, my concern as an artist is that we never lose sight of the artistry. So in the way I work is that when I first started working with a group of disabled and non-disabled dancers, we had long conversations about, well, what do we do? Do we create a new vocabulary? Mm -hmm. We could do that, but everyone can do. But every, everyone can do. We have to create something new. I think some choreographers would have chosen that. I did not. We decided that it was more about what each person does, what each person's virtuosity is, and really pushing them in that direction. Each one of us, I was in it also. So, you know, like pushing into our fears and in like where we're stuck, but using what we have, right? What we can do and then going beyond it. I think that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in, you know, the individual and what each individual offers, not trying to create something that everybody can do, but why not make why not push, you know, the virtuosity of each dancer in this case? I think dancing, that's very beautiful. Right? I mean, I, I mean, what has always attracted me to your work is that is that what grounds it is an aesthetic viewpoint. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's not the unexpected body. It's the unexpected body, and you just used the word unexpected bodies, personal virtuosity that uh, you bring out for, with that person, an individual, um, and creates an aesthetic experience. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you something I have never heard you say, which is not, doesn't mean that you haven't said this, but <laughs> it means that I haven't heard it. Um, and I'm curious, 
you are um, an able-bodied woman, choreographer. There's nothing that I'm aware of about you that fits the unexpected body, disabled body, disabled person lexicon at all. So what happened? What was that moment? When did that happen? So our friend Jeremy Allager introduced me to Lisa Bufano, who's a visual artist. This was in 2006. And she had just gotten a grant to make a dance piece. And she was a visual artist, not a dancer. And she needed a choreographer. So I met her. And she was a bilateral amputee. She had um, no fingers and no lower legs. And she was exquisite. She was one of the most beautiful dancers I've ever worked with. And I didn't, I had never worked with anybody like her, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and so my experience with her was very intriguing to me. And then I had met people in the disability community who I found very interesting. Um, and so I started to think about creating GIMP, which wasn't called GIMP, it was called From the Limb, with people who had different limbs, right? Fast forward to where I am now, people have asked me this question, why? And I always go back to Lisa. Well, you know, she was my muse. And it's, it, it just made me, she also, what Lisa had was this fierceness and this vulnerability that a lot of dancers, I feel like it's trained out of them. And so I really wanted to push those qualities. And I wanted to find people like Lisa who maybe could bring that to the work. But when, so when, so my connection, I think, is that, you know, I just recently had a hip replacement. So my joints are lax. I started dancing late. I was injured all the time. I hated my body. I hated my body for a very, very long time because it didn't behave well. I couldn't control it. It hurt me, right? All, all my career, pretty much. I mean, it was kind of devastating and a real struggle. And then a struggle to kind of find a way to love my body again, which I do, even through the hip replacement. But it took me a long time because I didn't understand how to, how to work with my body. So I thought, well, that's my connection, right? Because I understand the disconnect. But then somebody asked me, but why do you, are you really doing this? And I, I, I had to think a little further back. And my mother, at 33, had brain tumors. Mm. And at the eight, I was 11. And so my whole, most of my life, my mother was sick. I considered her sick. Mm. I defined her as sick. She had an illness. She had, she continued to have tumors and, um, but she was disabled. She was de dis debilitated. There were things she could not do. Her life changed dramatically after her first surgery. So there's, there's the other layer. Was that why I did it? Not consciously. That's consciously not at all why I got into what I'm getting into. I mean, Part of it was that 
I wanted always to show the beauty of difference. I always was interested. I mean, it's why I loved working with Bill and Arnie because that company that I joined, we were really different. They were yes, all very yes, different. <laughs> and then working with Larry Goldhuber, who was very big, and I, you know, yeah, the different. Exactly. We, we, so I really have always wanted to work in that in that way. You know, with that kind of aesthetic. So with on display, mm -hmm. what do you want the eye of the camera to see? I wanted, you know, for this specific thing that we did, yes. um, I really was worried because the installation is really about looking from far, getting up close, Right, And so we had to really think, Janet, Robert, I, and Doug, how are we going to give the audience an experience of being in this installation and seeing exactly what, what do I want them to see? I want them to see a sculpture court first, right? The, the beauty of these, what it looks like. Um, and then I want them to go very close get really intimate with each sculpture so they can see that person. And I believe, like I, because I've seen, you know, like over 200 of these installations, the more, the more a performer goes deeply inside of themselves when they're doing this, the more the audience can see who they are. And it's fast, to me, it's fascinating. Do you want the audience to know their shame? For the audience to feel shame? Yes. Ashamed of what they're looking at. Ashamed of what they're feeling. Ashamed that, not they, ashamed want, of ashamed what, that they want to look no, away. Ashamed, ashamed that, right. Ashamed, not ashamed of what they're looking at because there's no shame in what they're looking at. It, there's no, there's, there, these, to me, these people are absolutely stunning, right? But because an audience may not be familiar or, and that means makes them very uncomfortable, I want them to sit. Where they're with their discomfort. I, I want. I don't want them to turn away. I, I want them to stick with it. Mm -hmm. To stick with this film, and get and get closer to these people rather than and as uncomfortable as they may be. And wouldn't that be wonderful if they were really uncomfortable, but they stayed with it, because perhaps by the end, they see what I see. You know. Well, you you collaborated with um, the majestic, unbelievable lighting creative designer, Robert Wurzel, and Janet Wong, an amazing associate artistic director for the Bill T. Jones Arnie Zane Company, um, an artist in her own right who created the visuals, as I understand it. She, she created the film. The film. There's a film, in, yeah, we worked on that together, but she did an incredible job. I mean, I wanted like this ticker tape of language and what she did with it was so beautiful. It's extremely beautiful. Yeah. The whole, really the whole experience. Yeah. You know. It's so beautiful, right? Like Robert did such an, uh, I mean, it looks gorgeous on, on the caster stage. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I found it interesting because, I mean, it was a little bit different than what you would, what one experiences in performance, or, because we're actually with the on display on film, 
you can stop it. <laughs> which I mean, you can freeze it. Right. Which is fascinating. I mean, there's, you know, which is a whole different perspective. Right. It's a whole different impulse. I mean, you could stop it because you're frightened. You could stop it because you're inspired. Because you can roll it back to see what just happened. I found it to be very interactive. Um, in, different than being in an, an installation. Right. Where you're moving through. You've got a beginning, middle, and an end. Actually, on film, on display, is infinite. Right. I'm so glad to hear that. Because, you know, we, we, I never conceived of it as being filmed, you know, for that length of time. Um, and so I'm very happy to hear. I, I never thought of that, that as you're watching it, you have the opportunity to freeze frame. You can, you can really watch one person. You right. can focus on that person or you can move, for, you can move forward in the experience. Um, yeah, it was so wonderful to work on because we had to really, I, I especially, I had to really think about what an audience, what I would want the audience to experience. And so to get really close mm -hmm. to the performers, like really close, walk through the installation with the camera, that was really important to me. There's so many, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very complicated production. I mean, yes. It's, yeah. it's not. It is not like any other production. I mean, you know. I mean, you know. Um, you could do. We did Appalachian Spring, Martha Graham piece. We did it live with live music. We did the original Aaron Copland score. You know, and it's been recorded, and you can watch it. And you take the whole thing in. This is different. It's just. It is. It is not like anything else. It's. It's. It's a performance, but it's not a performance. It's a statement, but it's not a statement. I mean, it, you know, there's so many layers um, in very enticing, actually in some cases aggravating way, because, you know, you as me as a viewer, I'll just speak of myself personally, um, I have to decide what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not just sitting there, you know, I'm not, you know, and, how am I? How am I connecting with these unexpected bodies? And what are the unexpected bodies telling me about myself? Right. And hopefully, the goal is that by the end, they're not unexpected anymore. They're not. They're just. They're just dancers. You know. I, I hate to. Say, I mean, that's that's the goal, right? Is to. I mean, I know so many people, and I was one of them, that had really, except for my mother, who I didn't even see her as disabled, um, had very little interaction with anybody with a disability. So when, when I started working with Lisa, I had a lot to learn. I had a well, lot to learn about the culture, about what I, what, how it's going to, how the people with disabilities are going to change the way I work. Well, I'll tell you something that I, I've not told anybody publicly before. 
But I was raised in Washington, D.C. Um, I had a caregiver who was uh, African-American, and her name was Lula. And my mother was a socialite and was, was not that she was absent, but Lula was really the mom figure. What made Lula very different is she had one arm, only one arm. And um, she lost her arm in a very tragic situation in which her husband shot her and uh, oh she was taken to a hospital in Washington because of the color of her skin. They didn't operate careful. They didn't operate right away. They put a tourniquet on it and the arm died before my father could get there to say he would pay for the operation. But Lula had an outlook on life unlike any other human being I've ever met. She had one arm. Uh, many things that she did extremely well with her one arm was put me between her legs and paddle me with her one <laughs> arm. <laughs> you know, but so all I'm trying to say is, is that one of the, my earliest experiences with love actually was from somebody who had an unexpected beauty, had only one arm. Many other issues given Washington, D.C., segregation, race, you know, um, that she had to deal with. Mm -hmm. But she moved forward. Um, she never had a prosthesis. She always wore a cape. Hmm. Interesting. You know? So uh, personally, uh, you know, I've been looking at, was looking at someone with an unexpected beauty from age three and up, you know. Yeah, and I had the, I had the opposite. I just, you know, yeah. I had no idea. I remember when I worked with Lawrence Carter Long and he, I went to a, uh, he's a beautiful performer. He was in GIMP. He's also an activist and he was giving a lecture and I went to see the lecture and I said to him afterwards, you know, learning about disability is kind of like when you lose a parent. You never know what it's like mm -hmm. until you actually lose a parent. You just, you can't know what it's like, or having a child. You can't know really what it's like until you've had the experience. And I felt that it was a very similar thing coming into the disability culture and the disability world and trying to understand from my ableist perspective, you know, who that community is and, and what they want. It, it, I mean, it's, you know, that's what I've tried to do because I think it's really important not to, it, it was very important for me, for them to lead the conversation. I mean, I'm the choreographer. I was always the choreographer, but I needed those people with disabilities to, to talk to my company so we could work together to create GIMP, which is mm -hmm. what we made together. And it's still that way, you know. I feel like it's it's I it's like the nothing without us, you know. Mm -hmm. I am the leader, I am the choreographer, but it's very collaborative. It has to be, or else I would be doing everyone a disservice. Well, as as a um, self-described gatekeeper, moi, <laughs> huh? you know, 
it, I am fascinated by um, the number of uh, unexpectedly beautiful dis artists that are creating work today. You know, um, quite I mean, uh, amazing, actually. Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. No pun intended, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but but a, a lot of it, I think, you know, is because of your faith in the community. I mean, not that you personally transform the community, but it does take an individual with a vision and a commitment, um, a personal one, um, to galvanize a community. And, you know, and I've always felt that, you know, the, one of the many things that you have given to the community of performers is yourself. You know, deeply felt, deeply energized idea that, you know, difference is not difference. You know, yeah, and that's fantastic. I mean, and, and I'm sure that there's all kinds of different opinions and so forth. It's, it's a world out there. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a big world. Lots of great ideas, lots of stuff happening, you know. But for me, my Pied Piper in this world has always been you, you know. Um, there are physically integrated dance companies throughout the United States, right, who've been, been around for 40-some years. But I think what, what we did when we started was that we introduced more of the, like, what I call the unexpected body, because it wasn't just, it were people, the first cast, there were no wheelchair users. But regardless, I think what I what I was able to do was to bridge the gap. Like I I felt like we brought physical physically integrated work into the modern dance world in New York and it was not easy. As you know, it was not easy. Nobody wanted to see it. Um really people did not want to see it and we actually ended up doing work outside of the country outside of the city for a little while and then it just started there was more interest and I pushed mm -hmm. as you know I can do I just pushed because oh, yeah. I, I really believed in what we were doing I believed in it very strongly I mean I, I think now because I'm older I don't I think I would have quit dancing a long time ago had it not been for what I'm doing now, for this body of work. Mm -hmm. Because it means more to me than just, just not, just not dance. It's, it's not just that. It's, there's so much else going on that I, that I believe in and that I think is really important well, to exhibit. As I, as I said in the beginning, which I think is unique, I mean, we're, we're in a much more ideologically driven uh, period of our cultural history than we have been in recent decades. And one of the things that makes uh, your work important for me is, is that it's not only has a, for lack of a better term, an ideological perspective, a sense of inclusion, that, you know, the differences 
matter, but differences don't matter because it's just the way we're looking at something. We need to look at things differently. But um, you bring an aesthetic um, perspective. You bring an aesthetic value, uh, which uh, embraces the ideology, embraces the mission. Um, and it's a partnership. Uh, it's unique. I mean, it was, Laura, it was Lawrence, actually, who, that I spoke of before, who said to me, you need to work us really hard, Heidi. Mm -hmm. This can't be a pity party. This cannot be sentimental. You have to take us to a very high standard. And that was right at the beginning, mm -hmm. right? And that would, that's what's driven me, you know, how do, you know, how do we break the stereotype? How do we break what people are, how they're seeing this, the, you know, this population, what, what I'm doing, how can we um, present it as art? I mean, it's art. It's got to be of a certain standard. That's how I've always felt. That's how I was pushed from the disability well, community in, I worked with. I mean, look, I mean, you know, I can just say I, I'm not a um, particularly academic um, person who experiences uh, art through an academic lens. But, I mean, Bill T. Jones. I mean, you know, <laughs> Bill was doing more than just dance. Always. Always, you know. Um, but you could, I could also say, frankly, given my own experience going back 40 years, you know, that there were artists who were uh, excluded. Trisha Brown comes to mind. I've had, you know, I was working with Trisha in the early 80s. Um, I remember Trisha Brown coming to me absolutely in tears that she had no, her company was collapsing and she had no way to express herself. She was weeping, um, you know, Trisha Brown, you know, um, you know, so the aesthetic world, whether it be dance, music or theater, has its own uh, history of exclusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, uh, you know, you're not, you don't fit. You don't fit my expectations of what is music, what is dance, what is theater, you know. And for the most part, those people who were originally excluded are now finding themselves, or most of the time, they've, in fact, after their passing, um, their vision is now heralded as, my God, <laughs> the world. <laughs> you know, but I knew them when they were in, I knew Tisha when she was in tears. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, so that... Um, well, it's hard to break the mold. Yeah. It's just hard to break the mold because you realize that everyone wants what they know. They're really afraid of what they don't know. And, and you have to show them. I mean, and then how can you show them if nobody is going to hire you to show them? Right? Well, so exactly. that's one of the reasons why we did On Display. I mean, On Display was done in 2015. Mm -hmm. We still do it. And now it's a global phenomenon, right? On, on International Day of Persons with Disabilities, December 3rd, it's a UN convention. 
We are in the UN. We're at NYU. We do on display. And then last year, because of the pandemic, we did a 24-hour Zoom event. We have 30 countries doing it with us now. Look at you. I'm just saying, like, we haven't ever been funded for it, I, which astounds me. This is a global experience. We are creating leaders throughout the world who, ha who have never either, they're disabled leaders who have maybe not produced, or they're non-disabled leaders who, who have to learn pretty quickly how to incorporate people with disabilities to engage with us. And it keeps growing. I mean, we're pushing it because I feel like it's really, that it's really important. And it's just one big sculpture court. No. It's... You know what I mean? Like, but we did on display because I felt I wasn't getting enough play. Not enough people were seeing the work. Mm -hmm. The people, these people that I found gorgeous and, you know, in, in, on so many levels, and so to put on display out in, like in site-specific ways, a lot more people saw it, you know. No, but it's it, an amazing, it's an amazing story, Heidi Letsky. Your vision, wow. your commitment, you know, worldwide, I had no idea. So, I, yeah. so um, you have my uh, applause. Thank you. It's, I'm going to thank it's, you. It's a lot of it's. A, it's been a lot of work. What else? There's no. Such but what thing. else? Wait, wait, what else is there? Well, I mean, please. <laughs> I mean, it's work. Of course, there's work. That's but what we I do. think, and I want to thank you, Jed, because your commission in 2015 was so huge for me, mm -hmm. and especially because your in your introduction to film, because I'd never made a film before. Making Soliloquy mm -hmm. was, and I've said to you, it was one of the worst and best experiences of <laughs> my career. But during the pandemic, I've been making films. It was like, oh, I could do that in my own way. I don't consider myself a filmmaker, really, but I just was able to be creative where I think a lot of choreographers could not because I'd had that experience with you. And I understood my aesthetic, even as a f making a film. You know, everybody was like, you have to have, a, what do you call it? A storyboard. You know, a Stuart was driving me crazy. You've got to do a storyboard for every character. I don't have a story, Stuart. This is not about a story. It's nonlinear. It's about images. You still have to have a storyboard. Thankfully, I did, but it was. It was my way. It was just images. Your right? way. It had to be. It your had way. to be my way. Of course, it has to be. I like, don't way. do that literal. That was the whole plan of the. You know, uh, was to give choreographers the ability, or the, give them the insight into their own ability, to create something in a different, a new environment, in a new location, yeah. on film. And that was brilliant for me. You know. It. I mean, really, it was. You know, I spent a lot of time editing that film just because I needed to understand what the film was before mm -hmm. I actually went to an editor. And I fell in love with editing. It was like choreographing. It's a whole other tool. It's, like, yeah. it's a whole other yeah. way of making things happen. So I want to thank you for your faith in peak performances and um, really...
I want everybody to see on display. I want them to follow you. Thank you. Don't stop. Thank Don't you. Don't stop. Thank you.